Welcome to Managing Marketing and uh, we're in Singapore in a bar somewhere down near uh, Marina Bay Sands is just uh, down the road and uh, I'm having the opportunity of sitting down with Andrea Edwards who is also known as the Digital Conversationalist. Welcome to the bar here in Singapore, Andrea. Thank you very much. I suppose we should say cheers. Cheers <laughs> to you too. Thanks, Ooh, for jo- thanks for joining us. No, thanks for asking me. Mm. Uh, very fine Fosters. I can't mm. believe they're serving Fosters. No, You've anyway. got, you got no class. Uh, well, that's true. And <laughs> you've picked it in one. The digital conversationalist. You know, I mean, we hear a lot of people talking about how a social media is an opportunity to be social. Is that what the digital conversationalist is all about? I think the digital conversationalist, is, it, it kind of answers two things. The first thing is, I when I first launched it... It's probably nearly three years ago now. I saw a gap that nobody was addressing. So, you know, my background's very much in the content marketing space. And um, I went, when I was working at Microsoft, which is just across the road, we can see the logo on the building. Um, they started building, really developing some beautiful content. And um, it's the Microsoft Story Lab, and then obviously Satya Nadella came in, and then the, there was a really nice content and visual campaign around him. But the content wasn't going any further. This is at the time, it's changed now, but at the time it hadn't. People weren't, the employees weren't grabbing it and using it and sharing it. And to me it was, especially I was in the comms team, I was like, that's really missed. And you need that engagement, don't you? Absolutely. If if the employees don't care, then who's going to care, right? Exactly, yeah. And then I went to a content agency, Novus, um, and again, they were producing this beautiful content and then they were sending it to the clients. But the client, but it wasn't the content wasn't successful, and so uh, I'm like, n- we've got to get the employees engaged here, not just in the sharing of the content, because you don't want employees just out there sharing yeah. content and being sycophants. Here's what the boss told exactly. us to share. Um, you you want them to create their own content and have their own message, but also help the company be successful with their content. Because unless you achieve that, you can't succeed with content marketing. And I really believe in content marketing because it, it, it completely flips everything on its head. And so much of the industry conversation around content, I think, is not right. But No, no, look, and I think you're absolutely right in that, I, that content marketing has been done a disservice. I think so. Because, first of all, one of the things that really irks me is the number of agencies that are doing advertising and trying to pass it off as content. Yeah. And secondly, I was uh, at ProcureCon, which is a conference in, well, in London, but also in the States. And I was talking about content marketing, and a guy from a major brewer said to me, no one's interested to hear about how we make beer. And so they think that content marketing is all about telling people how you do your job. Right. Beer's a great example. I worked for Guinness for a bit, and I launched a porter ale. Do you know what porter ale is? Yeah. And it used to be like the beer of the poor people in London, right? 
And um, I, I can assure you, around, especially when you're around the Guinness brand, everyone wants to know the story. They love the story of Guinness. They they love the story of beer. They love the history of the story of beer. Um, you know, there's a book on beer. Have you ever read that book? It's, yeah. You know, yeah, it's fantastic. Um, you know, the, but and that's content marketing, right? And it's it's talking about the entire experience and everything that comes around a beer. And, and you know, and I, I just think so many people don't get what it's about. And you know, technology companies, what's their job in content marketing? It's to it's to help the companies, their customers, wherever they are right now, move forward with technology. So, you know, I've done some sessions where, um, you know, five to even 10 years ago, all the technology companies were talking about cloud computing and all of their marketing, right? Mm. Um, now they're talking about artificial intelligence, blockchain, all these other topics. But, they, but, then, I, but then I'll say to them, so where is your customer on the cloud progression because it doesn't matter you can't achieve anything unless your company's on the cloud right yeah so you can't have artificial intelligence or blockchain you can't do great data you've got to be on the cloud and basically what the, what the sales guys were telling me was the, com- the the customers were just moving onto the cloud at that point but the company's marketing into the future and you've got to do both marketing to the future but talk to the customer where they are now to help them overcome their challenge and that's all it is it's not that bloody complicated but um, but it's not what it's not advertising, mm. and it's not and it's not PR. It's 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 just a, it's a different mindset about serving the customer with information or entertainment. Okay, so yeah. so one of the when we embraced content or inbound marketing, we yeah. call it inbound yeah. marketing. Um, one of the best examples, the best story I heard was it was in North Carolina. There was a guy who made pools and mm. spas. And all he was he did, brilliant, right? Yeah, all he did was start writing this blog about all answering all the questions that customers would ask. Yes, that's it. And his business just went crazy yeah. because people would be Googling, I want to put in a, a pool or spa and I've got this question. Of course, his blog would come up because there was no one answering those questions. But, but did you hear that one of the best things about him was he also talked about the competition and the ah, pricing. Yes. Yeah. And so his SEO went up, right? So even when you were looking for a competitive product, he'd come up higher because he had content okay I embraced that because I read that story he actually put a list of all his competitors and he said you know he didn't make any judgment he said look I'm really busy I may not be able to get to your job for 12 months yeah because I'm so busy I mean but here's a whole lot of other people you could talk to yeah right I did the same thing and I I literally just (laughs) found all my competitors around the world and I just copied a paragraph out of their website because I didn't want to be seen to be making a judgment about them and I put it up there and I put a link to their website. It's amazing because procurement people all the time say to me, we really want to work with you but can you nominate two other people so we can then run a competitive tender and I go... I won't nominate them, but here's a blog post that you may be interested yeah, in. Nice, nice, <laughs> nice. I like the strategy. Yeah. Yeah, um, the, the pool guys, I think one of the great examples, one of the great early examples, because he was also doing it during a recession. Yeah. It was the 2008 crash when he started, and um, and he, he ended up you know, being a multi, multi-millionaire during a time when the entire pool industry, basically everyone was going out of business, and he did it through content. So, Andrew, why do people get it so wrong? Oh, why, I don't know. Why, is it this incredible sense of navel-gazing that, that when we talk about content, they think, oh, I've got to talk about myself? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I've worked with a lot of the big tech companies. I've worked, I've worked with a lot of different industries. But um, the internal view of business 
is so internal. They're looking at their KPIs. They're looking at those boards with the green dots, red dots, orange dots, right? Yeah. And everyone's so internally focused that they're not they're not paying attention outside, right? Mm. I always remember having one of the great conversations with one of the heads of, in the comms team at Microsoft, and it was we were talking about how Microsoft missed the internet. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was there was well, a big did. moment. I, I mean, mean, a lot Bill of people. Ga- Bill Gates basically said it, that right? it wasn't going to be much of an implication. Yeah. So I, I've worked with a lot of these big companies, not, not just Microsoft. And I know the bigger they get, and the more global they get. I always say it's like they're, they're these huge boulders that are rolling down slowly, slowly down a hill, right? And they're rolling down a hill, and there's always a trend, right? There's always a distraction. But to be a successful company, you've got to be focused. You've got to stay. You've got to stay aligned with the, the future that you got for yourself, right? And you, but you got you got to pay attention, but not too much attention that you get distracted from the goal. But the problem is, you know, you're getting you're getting moss as, as as your ball goes down the hill, but you're missing because you're not paying attention outside. You're not paying attention to the customer because everyone's too busy talking to each other, competing with each other. Um, you know, and that, to me, that's the thing. It's like, and that's why social media is so amazing because it forces people to go out. Because hmm. you have to read the industry, you have to read other people's points of view. And so, when you get people really engaging on social media, like really engaging, hmm. reading loads of stuff, reading competitive stuff, reading industry stuff, reading what the analysts are writing, what the the big the big um, consulting companies are writing, you get different perspectives. You hear what your friends are saying, what other professionals, your peers are saying. That's when you really start to be able to go, okay, so these are the trends that are actually worth paying attention to versus being a distraction that companies like Microsoft missed when the internet came out. But, I, but I'm not sure that that model still applies today. You know, this idea of setting a strategic direction for the next five years, mm. roll down the hill and just go with it and don't be too distracted yeah. because the world is infinitely more complex. And secondly... I wish I had a dollar for every CEO that stood up there at the shareholders meeting and said, we're going to be more customer-centric. Oh, okay, okay. How can you be customer-centric when you've already decided what the customer wants and you don't give a rat's ass yeah. about whether their opinions changed or their needs have changed? I don't, I don't think it's been relevant since the 90s. I think since the internet came yeah. along, it hasn't been relevant to set that long-term goal. Although then you look at the Japanese companies, you know, they've got 30-year 30 30 visions for the business. So, yeah, you, you know, you have a long-term yeah. view, but you need to constantly be... You know, Pivoting. The, the right. metaphor I use for my uh, clients all the time is sailing. Right. You know where you're heading, mm. but when the wind shifts, you've got to adjust the sheets, the sails, yeah. to actually get the lift. And when you get knocked by the market, the shift changes. Yeah. You've got to go about yeah. and quickly pivot yeah. so that you still remain relevant to where the market is. Well, and I think there's another point is that um, everyone's talking a good game on agility, the concept of agility. They're talking about it with technology, right? But I don't think people are naturally very agile and and it doesn't matter how agile a technology can allow you to be. You know, the ability to move quick and and I I think the customer centricity is a concept. Um, I, I don't think most people are very good at it. Like, and you, and you look at the way people are on social media, people who are creating their own content. It's their perspective that they want to get out in the world. It's not a perspective that meets a need that exists in the world. And cu- content marketing fundamentally is about meeting a need of your customer. But actually, most people don't start from that point. So I've sat down with people, and they're like, "But it doesn't talk about our company." I'm like. Well, it doesn't I, need I, to talk about your company. That's I've not shared point. this many times before, but I have a bank. And I don't know why I'm with them, but they have given me three customer ID numbers mm-hmm. because I'm a business person. 
yeah. I'm an investor and I'm a person. Yeah. So they've given me three numbers. And I'm going, that must make it incredibly difficult for you to interact with me yeah. as a person because I'm three people apparently. Yeah. I'm three times who I am. Well, try and be, try and be a person from a country who's lived in five different countries, moved internationally like eight, nine times, right? Right. Uh, try and deal with a bank and get any any credit, any... Um, just oh, a credit you card, don't right? exist. Oh, you don't exist, right? Yeah. And rather than looking at you as an opportunity of someone who's got the guts to get You're up there risk. and go out there and, yeah. I, I mean, I couldn't even get a... If I went back to Australia now, I couldn't get a credit card, I couldn't get a loan, no, I couldn't get anything, right? you zero. Absolutely. Mm. And I have no credit rating. So, I mean, the banks, to me, it's like, it's like the telcos. They are so local. They're not international. That they can they can build these international ideas like you know HSBC, American Express. They're all international, but you're still judged locally. Mm. On, you know, the, and, and technology has allowed this to happen. Yeah. For them to change, and they're still they still haven't changed. So. It's interesting, isn't it? Because the opportunity from a technology point of view is to actually allow you to be identified as an individual and yet there are counter forces saying don't allow that to happen because of the uh, lack of privacy and and personal security around being identified that way well i think i think the whole privacy security like you know a lot of people complain about you know data and what companies can do with it and yet they'll fill out a stupid survey like what color should you wear today on Facebook and they'll give away more data about themselves than if they applied for a credit card loan and uh, you know the whole Cambridge Analytica scandal I'm like when are we all going to start taking responsibility for ourselves I agree how we participate right I agree but there's a lack of regulation I think GDPR is trying to bring that but it's pretty ham-fisted how can old old people in suits regulate an industry and a and a and a a type of person that they, they, that you know, like you look at them, you look at my children, they're 11 and 12. You look at the millennial generation or Gen Z who are now in the workforce, right? People who are not in their age group are trying to put put laws and regulations on top of them, but they don't understand what technology is to them. I mean, you know, I, I watch people criticizing behavior on social media, but they're not on it themselves. So yeah. how can you criticize it, right? You got If you want to understand today, today's customer, you've got to be where they are, participating where they are. Otherwise, you, you just have no relevance anymore. Well, I think there's a quid pro quo, which is if I give you something of me, i.e. information about me, I expect you to use that to make my life better. Absolutely. Yeah, that's the transaction. Mm -hmm. If I give you information about my needs, wants, desires, who I am, then you should use that to actually offer and sell me things that I actually want. Versus what's happening at the moment, and if any one of us goes to our email box on LinkedIn and you've got a hundred annoying salespeople pitching you a product that's not even relevant to you. And, and and I sometimes I reply to them going, if you looked at my LinkedIn profile, which I have invested in quite heavily, and there's a lot of information including blogs, uh, regular content that I'm providing, you, you, can, you can actually work out who I am, what I care about, yeah. and no, what I, I don't I, care about. I, I, I agree. I you'll agree. understand that what you're selling me is completely irrelevant. So piss off and well, stop wasting my time. So the thing that pisses me off <laughs> is that they all think I'm an advertising agency. Right. They're all offering me agency services. I'm going, what the... Yeah. Disconnect. Yeah, but Block. But, 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 no but longer. Spend time. 
the, the, the salesperson. It's a numbers game. But the salesperson, no, it's cold calling on social media, right? The salesperson has never had more information than they have today, and they're lazy. Yeah. And they're not going to get my time. They're not. They don't deserve it. You want to invest in me. You want to talk to me. You want to share my content. I, I, I will spend time with you when you pitch me. But you've got to put some effort in first. This lazy cold calling on social media, I want to punch them in the face. Okay, so I get the sense that in the term social and media, yeah. you're much more focused on social Absolutely. than you are media. Yeah, totally. Why? Uh, because that's what it's all about. It's an opportunity, right? It's an opportunity. Like... But the, the, there's a lot of people outsourcing their social presence, especially on LinkedIn, right? the professional social oh. presence, right? And it really frustrates me because the power, the magic of social media is in the participation. I build relationships. I met someone last night I haven't, I'd never met before. She knew everything about me because she's been following me on LinkedIn for like five years, right? And, and so we finally got to meet each other. And I have built relationships and it's years later before I actually meet the people in life. And, and that's the opportunity of social media, it's to build relationships. And you can't learn how to do it unless you're on social media, actively participating, talking to people, um, sharing. sharing ideas, answering questions, just participating, you know. And it, it is the number one thing that people don't do. They're projecting information, they're pumping, I call it the megaphone approach, pumping information out, but they're not, they're not, they're not, they're not, answer, they're not responding to people talking to them. They're not responding to other people who are putting out good information that might be aligned to what they care about. It's just, it's just noise. In fact, it's just it's bloody noise. It's interesting you say that because you know some of the big names in the industry and and even just generally celebrities will think like on Instagram or LinkedIn or whatever will share something and you'll see they'll respond to the first four or five comments mm-hmm. and then nothing. Yeah. And suddenly there's a thousand comments that have no interaction whatsoever. Yeah, and I, I mean, you think, you know, one of my favourite social media people at the moment is The Rock. Oh, yeah. Not only is he incredibly sexy and, you know, but uh, Dwayne Johnson is a, a good man. He, he honours women, he honours his wife and his daughters, he honours he honors his colleagues, his, the people who are on the movie sets with him. Go and, have, go and have a look at him, especially on Instagram, but also on Facebook. I think he's doing a beautiful job. And he talks as much as he can, but his fan base is so huge and he's so well regarded, it's impossible for him to do too much, right? But, but you see him, he, he's really putting in the effort as much as he can. And I do think you get to a level of, you know, I see people copying Bill Gates on LinkedIn. It's not relevant. It's not relevant to, co- you know, you just look like an idiot. Yeah. But then um, Jeff Weiner at LinkedIn, I think he does a really good job of interacting, especially with his employees. He'll, he, if, they, if they copy him, he'll respond. Um, so it's just about putting in a little bit of effort, you know, of, of the leadership, but they can't keep up with everything. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely at the overwhelm point. I'm not, I'm not any of those people, right? Well, it, it is like um, trying to take a sip of water from a fire hydrant, Yeah, sometimes it, it feels like that, yeah. But, but you know, and, and one of the things I know you're really passionate about is people being incredibly authentic yeah. and being, um, you know, uh, having integrity yeah. online. But uh, how much do you think the ability to curate your best self actually can undermine that? I don't think you should curate your best self. I think you should be yourself. Um, you know, I'm not pretending to be anything that I'm not. Um, right across my different... Because, you know, I... I I believe that your entire social media social media presence bleeds together. So even if you, you know, on Facebook it's my mates, we're, we're having a chat. 
But if I put a picture up of a family photo with the kids, which I did when we were in Krabby a couple of weeks ago, I put, please note, 20 minutes before this, we were ripping each other's faces off before we got this beautiful family photo of us all smiling on the beach, right? So, uh, and people really appreciate that. And I, I get all these private messages, just, just that photo as an example, really appreciate you saying that. Because um, because that's the truth, right? Yeah, and it's so the reality this, yeah, of your life, existence. right? You know, it's not all good, it's not all great. You know, and professionally, I, you know, I'm doing more stuff around the environment. I don't want people to think I'm nuts about it, but at the same time, I actually think we're at the point where I think we built the wrong world. You know, I think the world of business is wrong. The, the way we, what we value is wrong. You know, like Donald Trump is here because the Kardashians were there before that, and Paris Hilton before that, right? We've built this world where we, we're honouring shallowness and then where people think they need to go out there and follow that. I'm, I'm, I'm never going to do that at all. Right? Like, you know, what's and all. You know. so, so how do you... Because, first of all, okay, let me be authentic. <laughs> on, Are you ever not? On, on LinkedIn, it drives me crazy, those people that seem to have swallowed some sort of positive affirmation. <laughs> Yeah, that no matter what's going on in your life, you just need to do this and everything will be turning out right. Yeah. How do you feel about that? Oh, look, you know, there's times when you get one of those positive affirmations coming through as one of those quotes with a famous person or whatever, and you're just having a really bad day and it makes you want to punch that person in the face, right? So I actually think, so I personally wouldn't share that stuff because I know that when I'm in the wrong place, it's the wrong thing to see and it makes me feel bad towards the person that's sharing it, right? You know, I know, and uh, you know, if, if you talk to people who are deeply sort of spiritual or philosophical or whatever, uh, positive sort of people, right? They don't allow, they don't always allow you the space to actually be negative. Mm. And sometimes you just gotta go rah about life, right? Because life can be really shit sometimes, mm. and I, I, we've got to have space for that too. Because you know, but but there's no one more open to the idea of whatever you set your heart to, you can achieve it. Um, you know, the abundance philosophy, I'm fully embracing it. Um, but at the same time, life life isn't straight. Yeah. It's never been straight, right? One of my favorite memes is that uh, line to success. Yeah. And then the reality is that yeah, it's up and down absolutely. and all over the place. Yeah. You know, nothing ever goes as smoothly as you think of it. Well, yeah, I mean, I've been doing what I've been doing for more than a decade. I've written more than a thousand blogs. Um, you know, I've had all sorts of issues with one of my kids. Uh, we've had to move countries many times. Like, all sorts of stuff's going on, right? And uh, people talk to me about my life. And uh, it's really interesting. Because I'm not, I'm not attempting to portray anything than in my truth. The truth. Yeah. Like, not even my truth. The truth. Well, um, your, your existence, your experience. Yeah, and I'm sharing it all. And mm-hmm. I've always shared it all because I'm a communicator. I love it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've got grandparents in England and Australia. So, the whole, you know, I've got great friends I've met living in all these different countries. Um, I love it. I love it. I love communication. It's why I love social media because I get to stay in touch with all these incredible people. But I'm not pretending. You know, it's like anyone who knows me and knows my full journey knows that there's been a lot, of, a lot of really, really, really hard years. But for some reason, it, I find it really interesting how people interpret what I put up on social media and what they see as my success. I'm like, oh, is that what you see? Wow. Because I'm, I'm not even attempting to portray it. Um, I'm just like, this is it, right? But if yeah. you actually go back and go through the, the, the decade of my social media presence, there's a lot of shitty times in the mix. You know, and uh, it's all part. We've of, all had those. We, we? have two and, different, and, different extents. Yeah. And I, you know, if I was hiring someone, I wouldn't hire someone that didn't have shitty years behind them. Would you? No. 
I mean, you've got to have the negative so that Absolutely. you can actually build the positive. Yeah. So um, what about, because, uh, you know, I get a lot of people saying to me, I don't know how you do it. What about all the trolls, all the negativity that you get? And you're with? a man. You have yeah. no idea what it's like to be a woman. So <laughs> not just a man, I'm white. Oh, yeah. I'm male and I'm middle-aged. Yeah, so I'm I, sorry. I've just got tick. I am three-star uh, entitled. Yeah. I'm at the point of, I feel sorry for the white boys because... <laughs> You know, you guys are having a bit of a rough time. Oh, However, yeah. at the same time, <laughs> at the same time, I'm kind of not because it's kind of like the you know the warning signals have been out there for a while. No, no. Wake no, up, no, boys! And, <laughs> um, but but you know, yes, I get negative responses to things, but you know, I I am privileged enough that I go, you must be an idiot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How do you deal with it? Well, I've had, I've had all sorts of stuff. I mean, I've had I've had real hate. I've had because um, I've got another blog which is much more sort of talks about politics, equality, feminism. Uh, the, the stuff with the challenges we face with my kid. Um, I mean, I, I, I took one blog, right? So when one of my sons was like four or five, I said to him, I don't know why we were talking about something, we were talking about careers or something at school. And I said to him, what do you think a woman can be? And he said, well, they can only be mums or princesses. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, right, okay. And so by the end of the week, I had him programmed to saying uh, mums can be presidents, they can be engineers, they can fly, fly, fly to jets, they can, basically women can do whatever yeah. they want, right? And I, we, we were having some fun with it. And then I wrote a blog about this thing yeah. and I had some guy who reported me to Google for harassment and for uh, for child child cruelty, <laughs> and and I'm having and I mean seriously, this guy's screaming at me, and I'm and in and in the end, I just said, mate, just go away, you're an idiot. I, I don't even want to talk to you anymore. Um, so uh, over the years, you kind of get you don't get a thick skin because it does have an impact. I know what, right? Because I'm not here to do any harm. When I share when I share something, I'm trying to I'm trying to make the world a better place. That is my ultimate goal. Yeah. But it doesn't matter. Like even when you're trying to make the world a better place, it can come across <coughs> as a negative to somebody. Yeah. You know. So equality is a negative to a man who doesn't want equality, right? Who really doesn't want it. Yeah. And uh, it doesn't matter. You can talk about you can't you can't change their mind on Facebook or LinkedIn or Twitter or anywhere else. They're going to rage and rage and rage. So you just got to let them go. So I'm like one comment. If you're still screaming at me, two comments. We're pretty much done. Um, but you can't, I mean, it's, it's one of those things, I think you get better, better at dealing with it the longer that you do it. Mm-hmm. And picture them sitting in their, in their basement of their mum's house in underwear with a hairy back. That helps too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, look, you know, and, and there have been examples of people committing suicide. Yeah, yeah. And, and, which is um, really sad because... As parents, you know, it's terrible, right? Yeah. Our children are facing this world. Where suicide, you know, because of social media and the impact of social media is something that we've got to think about. But, you know, like, I think I think social media is becoming blamed for a lot. I think we've got to look at there's some fundamental flaws in society that we've built. Mm. And social media is a tool of the time. Yeah. But the crappy shit that's going on in the world right now has always gone on in the world before social media. Yeah, it just didn't have the platform to well, amplify yeah. the shit that's yeah. going on. Yeah, so... Uh, uh, is, is, is suicide are suicide rates growing because of social media or are suicides rates growing because we're really building a very unequal world mm. right and I'd say that's government's fault it's automation's fault it's business fault you know so I think you know I don't always think we're having the conversations that we should be having we're blaming the tools of the time versus we're building fundamentally for flawed societies. Now, this is completely a little bit left field because the whole idea of the internet was to democratise yep. communication. 
But it's interesting, isn't it? Because in the process, we've actually amplified in some ways the worst aspects of human behaviour mm-hmm. and at the same time created and amplified some of the positive things, haven't we? We have, but is it social media's fault? I mean, we still had... We no, still, it's the tool. It's no, but, the tool. But, but we still had, you know, um, World War Two, with the Nazis killing the Jews, right? So we still had Rwanda. So we, 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 we have always and had this behaviour. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, and that all happened before social media. We've always had this... Yeah. There's there's something in humanity, I think, that... Um, and what was the other one? The other one, uh, that despot, Idi Amin Dada. Oh, God, yeah. 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 God. I mean, there's always been... Yeah. But... What I'm saying is that uh, the internet, not just social media, but the internet has allowed the amplification of the negative and the positive. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's a, what's the balance? But so one of the things that I talk about is that information used to be the pyramid, so top down, right? Yeah. And in a lot of parts of Asia, that is still, it's still very much top down. Yeah. The, the government, business controls information disbursement, right? And so now it's a pyramid where everyone, everyone's an editor, everyone's a sub-editor, everyone's a publisher. Yeah. We choose which information we want. Um, we share it widely with our communities, but, but who we share it with has actually shrunk. Even though we can share information with the entire world, our circles of trust are actually quite small. Mm. So it's the people that we know in our lives, the people we know their heart, we know their intention, right? So I think that's the flip that's happened in the last sort of decade. For the first time in human history, we, the people, actually control our own information. And I think that's the shift that's happened. And it's only been a decade, right? And I don't think we're very good at managing it yet. And I think the focus of the media, not social media, of the media is on the negatives mm. of social media. And I don't know if that's really the right conversation because, yes, there is a lot of negative... But but I there's a lot think of the positives me- as well. Well, exactly, because I actually think the media is a big problem in the world, right? Mm. Like the governments, the lobbyists, that all that sort of network. It's all been it's all been shaken, right? Well, well the argument is that, uh, as some people would frame it, that the internet and social media has forced the world to be dipolar. Dipolar. You're, you're either yes or you're no. Yeah. You're Make, uh, you're, you're positive or you're negative that the nuance of the world the nuance of life which is the infinite rainbow of colours yeah. has been replaced by black and white yeah, yeah, yeah. because the only way to get traction in the internet in social media is by making a stand at the extremes yeah. And we've seen this in politics, yep. and we do see it in social media. The, the stories that get amplified are either happy kittens yeah. or extreme racism. Well, we need the happy kittens because we're so depressed by the extreme racism, right? No, it, it, it's right. I mean, it's sort it's of... It's a human condition. Yeah. It's a, social media is amplifying this, yeah. but it's not causing it because it already existed. All yeah. it's doing is amplifying the best and worst of human behaviour in a way that uh, is making it obvious to us yeah but like you know all so i i mean one of my ideas that um i talk about a fair bit is i believe that we're on the cusp of elevating humankind to a new level of consciousness right we're, we're, we're stepping up we're, we're we are evolving and we, we evolve after a significant period so after world war one after world war two after vietnam the world sort of stepped up we kind of you know we we stopped caring about things. We stopped. We stopped holding on to ideas that had become redundant, right? Mm. And uh, I think we're on the cusp of evolving to 
an, another sort of level, a kinder level, a more giving level. Um, you know, where bus- the, the whole structure of business it has to change because of the environmental okay. risk. And, you know, and, so uh, I think. But w- do we need to go through World War Three? To change? Because actually, if we go through World War III, we're pretty much screwed well, as, some, as a Well, some as a would argue that the war, war on terrorism is World War III. And no, I yet, think it's been going on for more than 20 years, the yeah, World War so, III. So, yeah. so, you know, but then we've got some very positive things, like, you know, we've, we saw post-Christchurch in New Zealand, yeah. you know, the amount of traction that... Uh, the New Zealand Prime Minister got with yeah. this story of you compassion know, and empathy. Compassion and empathy, yeah. because we want the positive. But yeah, you know, how much fake news? I mean, we live, some would argue, in a post-truth world. Well, I was having a chat with someone the other day, and we were talking about fake news, and they said to me, um, they, they kept hearing about fake news, and then they went looking for fake news, and they couldn't find any fake news. So. And I thought that was a really... I hadn't heard that perspective before because I know of one piece of fake news, no, two pieces, and the most recent one for me was the Momo um, moment. Did you guys see that? It was... Um, Momo is this Japanese art and there's this story, and apparently it had happened years before, where children were getting these messages on WhatsApp to kill themselves. Anyway, it turned out to be a hoax, but it was... Oh, it, yes, yes, it, it I was saw shared, that. Yeah, yeah. It was shared on, like, Ro- Rolling Stone shared it, right? Made so, mainstream media, yeah, 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 but everywhere. Like, and, and you're kind of sitting there going, well, how, how can we stay on the ball if even, if even the top corporations... Can't, for right, this. Yeah, so my my thing is, if you're going to share something, anything like new piece of news, make sure it's on at least five sources. So the source that I trust the most is BBC. If it hits the BBC, I know it's been verified as factual information. Even then, I think they got the Momo crisis wrong. But like you know, fake news. I know we can all live in fear of it, but you know the other the other side of the thing is common sense. Well, I think a lot of things doesn't, that doesn't get, sound right. It might not be right. <laughs> but but a lot of things that get labelled as fake news are actually different perspectives mm-hmm. on the same issue. You know, yep. the, the, you've used in our conversation today the word truth a few times, mm-hmm. and I, I, I love the uh, saying that one man's freedom fighter yeah. is another man's terrorist. That that you need to be careful about this concept of truth. I agree. Because truth infers an empirical format, and yet we live in a world where there is no one point of truth because it depends on your perspective. Absolutely, and I totally... So when I met my husband, who's British, he was one of those British people that had this attitude towards Irish people that as an Australian I couldn't get. Because uh, they drink a lot, so as Australians, we love them. But there's a heritage, <laughs> and, and the BBC, who I was talking about before, are very much linked to that heritage, right? Um, <coughs> but this idea of, 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 of the Irish, right, um, being, being bad, being wrong. And I just sort of said to him, like, you know, he, he was going on about it, and I, I actually find it quite boring when people bang, about, bang on about it, right? So what's the, the Russian... What's the... Um, the, the the community near Russia that... The Ukraine? The no, 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 uh, the, Politburo? No, the, the uh, Black Widows. Um, oh God, it's a country near Russia, right, or one of the states within Russia that have done some um, pretty pretty interesting terrorist attacks. Um, the, 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 the Opera House. Remember, they, they went in and raided the Opera House. What are they called? It's... Um, oh, God, I feel terrible, but I can't remember it. You, you know who it is when I, if I can remember it. But anyway, this group. So in Russia, they have suppressed this state it's not Kazakhstan, it's, it's, it's kind of up north. 
they've suppressed this state so badly that the state are reacting mm. and they're going in and they're killing in, innocent people in this opera house, right? And the whole world, the media gets up against this group of people, the terrorists. And I'm like, well, mate, I, I actually think they might have a point, you know, and that we should be listening to that. So the definition of terrorism for me is not right. Um, like uh, the, the Af- Afghanistanis, the Iraqis, I look at what, you know, our, our, our own country has done. Mm. We have been part of... Sorry, you've lived in so many countries. Which one are you talking about? Australia. Oh, right. Obviously, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I, I just wanted to clarify. <laughs> but, we, but we have participated, we've funded, we've sent troops. And, uh, you know, we were we're, part of we're the coalition of the willing, you know. The, yeah, but, but the, why are we the, the good guys? The ill conceived and poorly executed yeah. plan to invade Iraq. Yeah, we are. We're, Largely we're, for their oil. And, and we're, we are responsible, and, you know, and the Americans will leave before they should, and they won't fix it up. And so 20 years later, we'll have more terrorists coming up from a new organisation. I mean, the whole media conversation around ISIS is dead, I'm like, get over yourselves. Mm. ISIS is not dead. We, we continue, we're continually building. A world where we are we're, we're creating the environment for for terrorists and we're constantly demonizing the terrorists and it's wrong because if they were turning up in my wedding and shooting my family I'd kill them yeah look I've just noticed the time we're, this has been a great conversation <laughs> oh, we're not talking about content marketing at all <laughs> <laughs> thanks Andrea I really appreciate you making time to sit down and have a uh, glass of what's that Cabernet Sauvignon and uh, I'm drinking Foster's so thank you to Foster's for the uh, beer but um, look before we finish up I I have a question for you and beyond yourself who do you think is actually the best example for people that want to look at building their profile through social media Mm -hmm.